This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between. This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network, this is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast here on the Into the Apex podcast network. I am joined once again by my intrepid co-hosts, Mr. John Javicki. Hello. And on the road this week, hence the uh, slight quality difference in mic, but it's not bad. It's, it's doable. Um, you'll have to complain if it isn't, but it's fine. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Grant If you want to complain about it, that's great. Uh, whether or not we uh, read it, that's that's another, thing. another yeah, thing. No, yeah. you could yeah, drop it in our comments box. We probably probably won't even read it. To be honest with you. We <laughs> see all your comments, but whether we give there a fuck is another thing. Like, right. <laughs> um, gentlemen, it's all racing this week because uh well, everything was racing and the kitchen sink, basically. Um all we all we were missing was an IMSA race and we'd have been properly screwed for uh, for time. <laughs> um we've got uh Later in the show, we've got NASCAR at Dover, IndyCar at Alabama. Uh, this half, we've got WEC at Spa, but we're starting off with everyone's favorite bastard child of motorsport, Formula One. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Formula One. Um, and, and they were all, actually, very briefly, before, before we start talking about Formula One, all the things we're talking about have bees in them except fucking nascar we have baku barber and belgium and i could not i i tried so hard to shoehorn away to say that dover was somewhere with a bee and the <laughs> closest thing i could come up with is that it's it's 15 uh 15 miles away from the town of bowers in delaware so that's okay. that's the closest i could get and it's just it just didn't work so um <laughs> fuck you nascar for not racing in um Bristol this week. Yeah, you know, I mean, we could have also thrown another wrench in the plan to be talking about uh, the GT World Challenge this weekend. They were in NOLA. I watched that race too. Uh, NOLA. It was interesting. Seemed wet on on, on Saturday. Very, yeah. So, uh, Big postponement. Yeah. I saw none of the racing. All I've watched was, was the weather delay, and then it came back and I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. It was great. Um, so yeah, well, uh, Formula One, Baku, Azerbaijan. Um, it was an interesting one. I think that the, the key thing was the new F1 sprint format. Um, before we get onto the specifics of what happened, um, what did we think of F1's latest attempt at a sprint format? This is the new format that includes practice on Friday, qualifying for the Grand Prix on Friday, and then Saturday, a separate qualifying for the sprint, and then the sprint race, and then Sunday the race. Um, it 
the, the main difference being now that the sprint is totally independent of the Grand Prix. So the, the results of the sprint don't dictate your grid position for the race or anything like that. It's totally separate in a bid to try and make it more exciting. Did it work? What I do you think? <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. I did not like watching qualifying on a fucking Friday. Yeah, so so that's been a thing. So ever since they introduced the sprints, that that usually that that's moved Sunday uh, Grand Prix qualifying to Friday, and universally, I think everybody fucking hates that because I, I I know the FIA's idea is oh let's make every day of the race weekend have a competitive session, but all it means is that a lot of people who are either working or at school or right. whatever aren't going to see it because it's on when like. I was lucky enough that I had the day off, and that was only because there was a Star Wars game that came out on Friday. Um, <laughs> was that good? Like, was the just, Star Wars game better it. than the F one weekend? Uh, the the end credits were better than the Formula <laughs> One. Like, I could have I could have played Cyberpunk at launch, and it would have been better. Gross. than Gross. <laughs> like, um. But yeah, yeah like, I thought the, it's it's a terrible idea. It's just hiding sessions away from people that can watch it. I, I forgot all about it, and I'm sitting there at work, and then um, like I, I had YouTube up in one of my tabs, and I click on it. And it's like Grand Prix Grand Prix qualifying highlights. I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck? What? what year <laughs> and is I this? I totally forgot. And I was like, oh fuck! I, I you know I missed it. Um, so yeah, uh, not a fan of that either. You know, um, I get I get. I think I like how they split it up. I just don't like that. I feel like the qualifying maybe should have been on Saturday, yeah. but then I don't, you know, I don't know. Let's, it's just, it's a little, it's a month. Let's not have a competition next. session on a Friday. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like one of the main the competition things, yeah. session on a Friday. Cause I had shit to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. I'm, Everybody does. I'm a busy guy. I got shit to do, but, uh, I mean, I, I, I paused whatever the fuck it was I was doing. So I could watch qualifying, and other than Yuki's performance, uh, it was also just a shit session. You know, I mean, Leclerc got pole. That was cool. You know, yeah. <clears throat> but I, yeah, a competition session on a Friday just isn't going to work for most people who are fans of the sport. You know, I mean. Mm. Americans, we watch football on Thursdays. If you're a baseball fan, that happens just whenever, you know. But, but then there are always at times of day where people, most people are home from work sometimes. at that time. So but, for an international series yeah. with different timings every week, it's just not yeah, going to work. Yeah. It, like, was, it, was, right. it was in the morning time for us here in the United States. And I mean, if you live on the West Coast, good fucking luck, bro. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> your guess is good. That might as well be Thursday for qualifying for you people. But uh, yeah, it, it just it. I don't. I don't see how it's it's gonna work. You know, as far as hmm. ratings go. But who knows? Yeah, I like. I like the whole thing. Like I said, um, I think when we talked about this possibly being a thing about a month ago, it's an improvement over the last sprint format we had because I, I and most of the teams hated the fact that it directly impacted your grid position for Sunday. It just meant that you were more likely to just take it easy. Nothing would happen in the sprint because why risk it when it's going to be your grid position? 
Um, there's not enough on there's not enough on the line to make it worth the risk of fucking up your Sunday. So I, I like the fact that they've made it individual so that sprint race is totally independent to try and make people fight a little harder. Um, and if you're George Russell, I guess that worked. Um, <laughs> we, we'll get onto that. Um, but like, yeah, th- th- I still say like, and we'll get onto Formula One's general like state at the moment and i don't think it's that good Agreed. but if if you're gonna if you have to have sprint racing and i'm not i'm not against sprint racing because like at the end of the day more racing's good why not if it if the racing is good which it isn't but another another separate point if you want a sprint format that isn't confusing that allows all of the competitive sessions to be during the weekend copy f2's format like F2 have it and it's it's adjusted a day out because it's not the Grand Prix. You've got to fit around the Grand Prix. So like their qualifying is on a Friday, but you could have F1 qualifying on a Saturday. They have one practice session. They have qualifying. They have the sprint. They have the feature. The sprint is totally independent of the race. They have a grid invert. You know, the top eight is reversed. Formula One probably won't like that. So you don't have to have that. No. But then just, you know, you have the one qualifying session. You use those results for the grids and then after the sprint you go back to that for the grand prix grid it, it's simple it's consistent it would be consistent across all the support categories you're not adding a competitive session that nobody can watch and it adds a sprint race that doesn't affect the grand prix it's That's perfect true. why aren't we doing that like <laughs> it's just no. mind-boggling well, that the formula one seems to just find ways to make everything as confusing as convoluted and, as and that sentiment is going to carry over <laughs> throughout the mm-hmm. entire weekend it's not <laughs> the only thing that they i'm gonna say messed up <laughs> no not at all um so to start talking about what happened so first qualifying which was for the last race <sighs> mcclure got pole um really really good performance from him actually um it's his third consecutive pole um at, at for the azerbaijan grand prix the guy is really really good here it's just a shame he can't win it um <laughs> uh you had uh i've completely forgotten the results of it uh verstappen second ahead of perez in third yeah the, the in in terms of single lap speed ferrari looked up there but then as we saw in the race wasn't as good um yeah, Q1 for that first qualifying session was the longest first qualifying session I've ever seen in my life. It was like 50 minutes because yeah, of red fair. flags. These guys, these guys are supposed to be that, at the that, pinnacle that, of their sport. Yeah. Pinnacle, apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that kind of brings on to something. It didn't really happen in the race, but the, the K- so Baku was renewed. It, it's staying on the calendar for another three years until the end of 2026. And there were a lot of people that were happy about that and were really excited for this weekend because Baku apparently is a really good racetrack. It's not. It's not. It doesn't produce good racing. It produces crashes. It's it's not a good racing Some would argue that that is exciting racing, right? The more safety cars, the more restarts. It's exciting. (laughs) I mean, to a point, yeah. But I, I, I kind of agree with you, right? Like the, the field gets incredibly spread out. There's not a whole lot of passing going on. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's the backdrop of Baku is really beautiful, beautiful. right? Like, a, yeah. where else in the world are you going to race around a seventh century fucking castle? 
you know, right? like, yeah. <laughs> like it's kind of insane. And the run up through, what is it? Turn eight where they go up through the, the castle, castle section. Yeah. Uh, it being so skinny, like it, it it's very rally esque. Right. I mean, it's, it's different. It's, it sets itself apart from most other, you know, Hmm. Uh, street courses and you know any sort of but it's also it shit is. for racing there like <laughs> it is i mean they're trying to just polish a turd and make it something it's not but i mean uh, you borrowed I a segment it, that i'm gonna say later <laughs> it, it is so when you think of street courses you don't know it, it you know usually a flat long in between buildings blah 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 on roads but like the thing i like about baku is like that portion where you're going up you're, you, there is some elevation change up into that that castle section, and then that next kind of sharp left turn, and so there is nothing massive, but there is some, you know, change in elevation. I guess you could say. So, I, I, you know, I, like like you guys, I think the track is cool. The area is cool. It's got but, it's got its moments, um, but yeah. the, I mean, if you look at it as a yeah. whole, you know, it's just kind of shit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not not a fan personally, but I guess it's not Paul Ricard. Um, but, yeah. And then the other problem <laughs> is it's all it's only good for overtaking because you got that fucking long straight. But then the problem is everyone gets in a DRS train and then nobody passes each other. So it's like okay, good. Why not? Unless you're Red Bull and you have the uh, <laughs> yeah, you have the, uh, the, the DRS NOS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so after first qualifying, we then had the sprint shootout which is basically qualifying but shorter and with more strict tire rules. Again, the tire rules just make it more complicated to explain. You don't need any of that bullshit. Just don't have this session, whatever. Uh, but Leclerc got another pole, so second pole of the weekend. Um, despite crashing on his final lap, but nobody was able to improve after that anyway. Like They, they were ahead of him. Like They could have finished their laps, but just no one was going any faster. So his first lap in the final session was good enough to keep it. Um, and again... It was um, per- it was Perez this time on the front row with Verstappen third. Uh, he said he couldn't get his tires in the right window or something. Then Ooh, we had Max Verstappen complaining. Yeah, that's going to be a thing. That's definitely a good theme for the week. Then we had the sprint race, and um, Verstappen's complaining started immediately. So, what did we think of Russell versus Verstappen on the first lap? Was there anything wrong Perfectly there? Perfectly fucking fine, man. Like <laughs> just tight racing. I mean, I like in a way I kind of get what Max was saying when they had words after the session like, you know, nobody's got any grip. Uh, but mm. it's a uh, uh, Max we went we went to a motor race. You know, (laughs) it. Yeah. So his complaint seemed to be that it was because it was on the first lap and that it was like, firstly, formula one, as this weekend showed, you can't pass, especially if you're in a car that isn't a Red Bull. So any opportunity anybody gets to get overtakes done, they're going to have to take it. They're forced Mm -hmm. to be more aggressive and to perhaps pull off unlikely or non-common moves because they have to seize every opportunity they get because the series is shit for racing. So, I don't know. If you made them raceable, you wouldn't have to I mean, I would would argue that they got the formula right this season, right? Or this this era of formula car is better than what we've seen in the past, I don't know, eight years or so. 
they are able to race a little closer, but, but like, I mean, but again, like you said, you got to seize every opportunity you have to make any kind of move, hmm. especially against a Red Bull. Right, like yeah, right. It, it, right. car is so fucking fast, you have to take every opportunity to put yourself in front of it and give yourself mm. at least a little bit of a chance, <clears throat> even if it does mean knocking a hole in a sidewall or a sideline. Yeah, so so you had Russell, you had Russell up the inside for turns one, two, and then three. They made contact at turn two on the exit, and that's what put a a hole in um, Verstappen's left side pod, and then. Verstappen felt that he was uh, edged too close to the wall on the outside of turn three as well. Um, what I would like to ask Max Verstappen is, has he watched any of his onboards from the last <laughs> three or four or five he's years when he's in the opposite situation? Yeah, so like the hypocrisy is, is right. unbelievable for a guy that, and this is the thing, like when Verstappen goes up the inside of someone, and he's not the only one to do this, but he's the most prevalent. He goes up the inside of someone and they're on their outside. They either get forced off the track, which apparently is good racing. It's not. No other series allows that, but whatever. Um, or they back out and survive and then lose the position. When Verstappen is in that situation, he's the one on the outside. He carries on. He has the contact on the outside and then calls for a penalty for the rest of the race. It's, it's total hypocrisy. So for for him to then in Park Ferme after the after the sprint to be lecturing George Russell about how to race people cleanly and and leave people space, my fucking god! That's the, yeah. that was the most unaware thing. Uh, he has no self awareness. No. That man looked like the biggest sore loser ever. You yeah. know, complaint like dude, like you've got a fucking rocket ship that you're gonna have all year. Like, you know, like you said before, don't be a hypocrite. You've raced everybody hard, if not harder, the last four or five years. Like, just deal with it, man. You're going to you're gonna blow them out anyways. And it's <laughs> not know? just like, him as well. Like, the team are fanning it. Like, you had the right. engineer, and this is what pissed me off maybe more. You had the engineer when he, when he made a move back by Russell later on with DRS, because that's the only way people pass these days. Otherwise, they get complained at by a two-time world champion. Um, you know, he, his engineer was like, "Oh, well, well done! You managed to pass them cleanly." And I'm yeah, like, it's such a toxic environment. And then Max was like, "Yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah. At least I can do that, or whatever yeah. the fuck he said." And then, and then Christian Horner after the sprint race was saying, "Oh, it's a good job George Russell left his helmet on." So what is he saying that Max would have beat him up? I know it's not uncommon for the Verstappen family to be violent. Jeez, but like, <laughs> like, like what? That, what a weird comment to make about your own racing driver. Oh, he'd have punched him if his helmet had been off. What? What is that? I mean, he, did, was it? <laughs> it just makes was no it sense. Esteban Ocon that he physically accosted in the yeah, pits about, one day? In, uh, yeah, Brazil 2019 I mean, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not uncommon, and I'm not going to mention the other thing because it's allegedly. allegedly. It's allegedly. But, um, you know, but. <laughs> well, actually, it's not, but. <laughs> you know, I, I. Anyway, not, not I, I, I I expect to see fist fights in a NASCAR race, right? In fact, it's something I want to see in a NASCAR race. Right. Yeah, because it's the it's it's they pride themselves on that for yeah. some weird reason. Let's see but. some fights. Let's see some shit go down. Uh, it's different for Formula One. It's like a different standard. It's a whole different sport, and 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 you you gotta, I don't know, you gotta carry yourself differently. 
and it hmm. just it wasn't a good show. <laughs> it wasn't a good no, show. I mean, wasn't. some people are going to say, "Oh, well, that's a little bit of a double standard." And you know what? You're right. It is. <laughs> it is. But it's two completely different sports. Yeah. Uh, the only the only thing yeah. they have in common is they have four times. Exactly. And, and I don't know. It just it seemed. Uh, it just I don't know. <laughs> don't do that. How about don't do that? No. <laughs> so as a result of Russell and Verstappen's contact, Verstappen had a damaged car for the rest of the race. Um, Leclerc, who started on pole for the sprint, uh, was overtaken fairly quickly by Sergio Perez, who then ran away with it. Uh, Verstappen was able to keep with Leclerc in his DRS, but was never close enough to really initiate a pass. So the sprint finished Perez first, Leclerc second, Verstappen third. Um, you had points down to eighth, so it was Russell fourth, Sainz fifth, Alonso sixth, Hamilton seventh, Stroll eighth. Um, and Albon uh, got uh, Williams their first top 10 of the season in a race where they don't score points for being in the top 10. <laughs> so <laughs> screw his luck, I guess. <laughs> um, then we moved on to the Grand Prix itself. Um, Perez won again. Um, this time, so you had Leclerc start on pole, uh, Max, uh, Max in second. Within the first few laps, kind of like the sprint race, uh, Verstappen was able to use the Red Bull advantage to get by. Looked like he was going to be... I don't know. Perez got by Leclerc and got into second, and they kind of looked evenly matched for the first portion of the race. And then came the race-defining moment, which was when Nick de Vries stopped at turn five. Initially, uh, due to the angles that we had, we didn't think there was any contact. It looked like he'd maybe just stopped there and was going to reverse out. Um, and Red Bull thought the same. They had already called for Stappen into the pits at that point. And as soon as Verstappen was in the pits, the safety car came out. Uh, because of the safety car coming out, Perez and Leclerc were able to pit the following lap whilst the safety car delta was in effect. And as a result, they both jumped Verstappen in the pits. Um, on the restart, Verstappen very quickly was able to get Leclerc. But then for the rest of the race, he was shadowing Perez. He was, he was, I think he got to within like 1.4. He never really quite got in DRS. And then the gap started building again. Like it, it kind of fluctuated for the rest of the race, about two two seconds, like one point nine, something like that. Verstappen just wasn't quite able to be quick enough to get to put him under proper pressure. And as a result, Perez ended up winning the Grand Prix ahead of Perez, uh, with Leclerc taking his and Ferrari's first podium of the season. Um, what did we think Karma. about? It? Was it really? A, was it, would you say it was a Red Bull mistake, or was it just very unfortunate timing for Verstappen to pit stop? It was karma for Verstappen being a little bitch. <laughs> I was thinking the whole time, I can't believe Red Bull is allowing this to happen. Yeah. Right? Like it, it seemed like there, there should have been team orders at some point. All right, Sergio, we're going to switch the cars. You got to let Max buy so he can keep his, uh, his points lead. It was good to see Leclerc at the uh, a podium. It was. I, I I had mistakenly thought that I called it, but I uh, I guess in our last episode I said he was going to get well two P three, so I was close. Yeah, I don't know if y'all saw this, but he got to stand on the P two spot on the podium. Yeah, yes, because they got it the wrong way around. Yeah, so maybe he did call it. You were close. I did. Yes, you were close. Yeah, it just you know, Leclerc sneaking in for the pass there at the last minute. Yeah. And it's a good job they have the stupid virtual flags instead of the new traditional physical ones. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to surreptitiously change it around halfway through the <laughs> ceremony. But um, yeah, um, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic between Perez and Verstappen because it definitely seemed last year that 
for the first few races of the season, Perez was getting a lot, uh, getting along a lot better with the car, and it seemed like he was able to more readily match Verstappen. And then around the mid-stage of the season, it seemed to go completely the other way. Verstappen started being a lot more competitive for one reason or another, and then toward the end of the year, we saw a lot of situations where team decisions went Verstappen's way and never Perez's, even at the point when Max had won the championship and they were focusing on the fight for Perez to keep second off of Leclerc. Even when they had opportunities to help Perez by sacrificing Verstappen, they didn't take them. So it's this interesting dynamic. You know, it's very much Verstappen's team. He's won the last two championships. He he is their golden child. And most Formula One teams function properly by favouring a driver. So, you know, it's interesting to see whether, because now Perez is only six points off of the championship lead. um, And he does look very competitive with him. Like if if Australia, Mm -hmm. if he hadn't retired in Australia, which was, you know, their own mistake, whatever, he would be leading the championship relatively decently right now. So it's it's really going to be interesting to see if whether he's able to maintain this going forward, whether he's allowed to maintain this competitiveness or whether the team somehow slowly magnate around Verstappen again. But then the other thing you can't ignore is that all of Perez's wins, bar his first one at Sakia for Racing Point, have been on street circuits. There's something about street circuits that Perez, his driving style suits perfectly. And the front half of the season has been front-loaded with street circuits. And then there's going to be a huge run after Monaco where we don't really have another proper street circuit until, like, Singapore. So if he... Mm-hmm. And Christian Horner said the same post-race. He really needs to start showing that he can match Verstappen on the traditional racetracks as well, not just these street tracks. But if he can, we might somehow, from the jaws of defeat, get a good season out of what was going looking to be a Red Bull domination. If they can at least fight within themselves, that might make it interesting. I would, oh, I would love to see great. a win. You'd be great. Win a championship. The drama right. that would come out of that, yeah. One of <laughs> one of my favorite moments from the race, though, wasn't even wasn't even up in the front. It was happening between uh, Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll. Fernando giving tips to his engineer to relay back to Lance about the car mid race. Uh, I oh. I was really questioning. At, at, you know when they when they made the announcement that Fernando was going to Aston Martin, but his actions over the weekend uh, really made me think it was a right move. Right, I know, I know, I just, I know, they, I got a little they bit, work really well. I know, I know, I just got a little bit off topic from what we were talking about, but it's gonna work, and they're gonna they're gonna be something to fuck with, uh, mm. you know, this season. I mean, shit, they're. They're pretty far out of the lead for the Constructors' Championship. Red Bull's got 180 points, and they're sitting at 87, right? Like 93 points behind. But it's uh, if if they can if they can turn something out this season, next season's gonna they're really gonna take it to Red Bull, I think. Mm-hmm. I, f- I think more importantly, you know, with Mercedes and Ferrari fluctuating week on week as to who is the next best car behind behind Red Bull, and with Aston Martin being steadily there on the podium fight or just off of it, they they have a really strong chance of taking second in the championship, which is one hell of a jump when you're considering they finished eighth in the constructor standings last year. And 
you know, the, all the team personnel have been saying that they, they weren't expecting this this season. They were expecting this next year. So if this is the jump that they were expecting for next year, what because what's next year going to yeah. be like now? Like, yeah, and the yeah, you're right. The Alonso Stroll partnership is looking really, really strong. Not only was Alonso giving feedback as he was saying about a brake bias adjustment that really helped the car stability. And he, as you say, he fed that to Stroll. But Stroll at the start of the race, when he was in Alonso's DRS and they were just outside yeah. the DRS of Hamilton and Sainz at the time, and Stroll said, tell Fernando I'm not going to push him. Let's focus forward on trying to get back into the DRS. Yep. And they did. Yep. Great teamwork. Like that's I think, a great relationship. I think Fernando, after, after uh, Lance said that, I think Fernando said something like, oh, he can have a go if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a really, really good. Um, like wh- whilst Alonso wasn't able to keep up his his consecutive third places, you know he finished right on the tail of Leclerc. He was shadowing him throughout the final half, the entire second stint. He was thinking like straight away, you know, I'm going to bed these tires in now and then come at him later on. The 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 racing mind that Fernando Alonso has is his greatest strength, and I don't think there is a better guy when it comes to executing a full race on the grid than Fernando Alonso. Do you think, do you think maybe they need to uh, move Fernando Alonso from a driving position to managing uh, formula one in their paddock area? Cause he might have it. Figured out. Maybe eventually. <laughs> I, I think he might be a good candidate for he, that. He can manage everything right. else. So yeah, I mean, he, you could, you could imagine if he were in charge of, the pit lane at yeah. the end of the race that that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, can we talk um, about the, the we'll F- talk about that. I could have done that. The FIA investigating the FIA <laughs> again, like for the second race in a row after it never happening before. Yeah, so yeah, we'll talk about that because really, after Perez got the lead on the race strategy, nothing else really happened. There was this kind of this this that everyone was kind of shadowing each other. Nothing really happened. It was a really boring race and it sucked. So yeah. Perez got the win, Verstappen second, Leclerc third, Alonso fourth, shadowing Leclerc all the way, Sainz fifth ahead of Hamilton and Stroll, uh, Russell in eighth after qualifying 11th for this race because he was shit, um, and he wasn't able to puncture the side pod of Verstappen this time, which was a shame. Uh, Norris ninth and Tsunoda tenth. Um, so that was the race, but the end. So we had two drivers start toward the back, Ocon and Hulkenberg, and they executed a strategy whereby they basically spent the entire race on the hard tyre waiting out for what usually happens in Azerbaijan, a red flag or a safety car to try and to try and help them. Um, it never came, and as a result, you had Hulkenberg and Ocon pit really close to the end of the race. Ocon tried to pit at the start of what would have been his final lap. Uh, so... Um, yeah, at the end of lap 50, coming on to lap 51. Problem is, <laughs> despite everybody knowing that Esteban, or supposedly everyone should have known that Ocon was going to be pitting, the FIA had allowed photographers into the pit lane and FIA officials, Park Ferme officials, to put up the barriers and everything um, that they have for the post-race ceremonies below the podium, which is at pit entry. So... Ocon comes in the pits to find a pit lane swarmed with photographers, one of which literally having to jump out of the way of the Alpine to avoid being struck. Um, I don't know what commentary you guys listened to, but on in England we had um, Ted Kravitz, um, who was in the pit lane. Um, and for the half lap leading up to Ocon pitting, he's telling us, 
there's people in the pit lane and Ocon needs to pit this lap. Oh God. So he knew everyone else knew, but for some reason, the people in charge of running the event didn't and subsequently through luck avoided a very, very nasty incident that could have severely injured several people. What? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> It's just, you know, and it's not the first time, you know, we had last year a very similar situation in Australia where Alex Albon pitted on the penultimate lap or the final lap. And you had that the, there were fans being allowed into the pit lane as Albon was leaving. That should have been the warning for the FIA. Oh shit, we really need to tighten up the end of race procedure to make sure that this shit doesn't happen. You know, that would have been, it's ludicrous that anyone has to point out that no one should be allowed in the pit lane while the race is still going on. But some reason the FIA need that. And yet they had Australia last year as a warning and then it happened in Baku. It's just a total shambles to quote Kravitz that this, that that, that happened. And, I mean, it's not the first time this, the FIA this year has had a problem with track incursion. Now that this was a track incursion, mm-hmm. I, you know, they were kind of allowed to go at this moment, yeah. but uh, it happened in Hyderabad at the Formula E race. It happened in Australia, um, you know, earlier on the season with people allowed to be... It happened in Berlin with the climate protesters in yeah. Formula E. Well, I'm, I'm not going to... It happened I'm not in Silverstone last year with the protesters. I'm not going to say that that was the, the climate protesters in uh, Berlin were on behalf of the... I don't think I don't think the FIA can take blame for that because those guys were just straight up climbing the fucking fence. Um, yeah, tighter security though. They should but, have been nowhere near allowed near the fence. It, what what the fuck is going on over there? Right, like and, and like yeah. it seems like they they try to come out with more and more stringent regulations when it comes to safety every year. Yet they don't give a shit about. Like people on the side of the track. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, th- there was an investigation, right? And they kind of concluded. What? What did they conclude? I didn't. I didn't read all of the. The investigation hasn't finished yet. They're, they've said they're going to reconsider Park Ferme procedures after the near miss. Um, they said they're going to take immediate steps to reconsider the procedures. Uh, I imagine it will probably mean that from Miami onwards there'll be a regulation that should have existed all the fucking time whereby essential personnel are not allowed on the pit lane until every car has finished the fucking race. Cause let's face it, like even in this situation, you know, even if Ocon wasn't on a weird strategy, you know, what if a car had had to come in the pits because it was retiring with a fire or uh, uh, some kind of mechanical failure and they had a lot, a lot, a lack of control, you know, that could have been awful. So, it, it it's it's mind boggling that this even has to be said, but you shouldn't be doing anything in the pit lane until the race Isn't is there done. An alarm <laughs> that's supposed to go off whenever whenever a car comes into like the beginning of the pit lane. Maybe not like right where the 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 speed limit mark is, but like as they're coming through into the pit entry. Isn't there supposed to be an alarm there? There's an alarm at where the pit limiter is. But um, were, I didn't hear it like back on, right but they there, were right, right there. Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's not going to do anything. Maybe they need sense. to set so, that up, you know, a couple dozen meters earlier, perhaps, earlier. or, or just not let people in the pit lane, like during a race, yeah. you know, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen a couple just, of instances of, of, uh, 
of mechanics and engineers and stuff almost get hit by cars because they're trying to cross from the pit wall to the hmm. the garage area or whatever. You know, that happens. But that's I think that's an innate danger of being on a crew, right? Um, but as a photographer, you're not supposed to get hit by cars. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, that that right that whole weekend kind of just summed up a lot of the frustrations that I have with Formula One at the moment. You know, they keep fettling with the format to try and make the racing good, but if the cars can't race good, it doesn't matter how many ra- how many races you have in a weekend, they're all going to be shit. You had eighteen overtakes in the sprint and thirteen overtakes on track in the race. Like that's pitiful. Like when when you have, and I know they'll say it's not a fair example. But Formula E had 300 in a like race for like 198 minutes. overtakes or some shit, 89 or something yeah. like that. And like, yeah, and I know it's because of they have to manage and it promotes people not want, like passing by not saving and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if you've got one motorsport that has 300 overtakes and one motorsport that has 18, I know which one I'd rather watch. Let's just say that. Um, we go from one shit show to another because they're going to um, uh, Miami uh, this week, a double header with Azerbaijan and Miami because that makes environmental sense. Oh, and then they're coming back to Europe again immediately after. Great. I love Formula One. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Verstappen leads by six points. Um, We'll see if it stays that way. Uh, Brief mention the F2 races uh, that were in Baku. Uh, Oli Behrman got pole with a broken car it, his car was like steering was listing to the right and he still got pole. Amazing. And then he ended up winning the sprint race after like six of the leading cars uh, fucked it into the wall on a restart. Um, and then started from pole for the feature race and won that as well. So it, it, one of the rare chances we've ever seen of Formula 2 where both races are won by the same guy. Um, and the, probably the best thing to come out of the weekend was the halo saved another life. Uh, Jehan Daruvala was involved in that in said pile up at turn one and he went underneath another car and had it not been for the halo, I don't think he would have been very, very injured at the very least. So the best thing to come out of the weekend is that Jahanda Ruvula was unharmed by one of the FIA's good decisions bringing in the halo. So good for them. Um, we have, Oh God, not long left in the first half. Let's talk about WEC whilst we're in the European half of the show. Um, <laughs> six hours of spa, um, a win from pole for the number seven Toyota, but not exactly in uncontroversial circumstances after the team owner, Kamui Kabayashi decided to completely ignore track limits at the top of Eau Rouge Radion to pass <laughs> the sister number eight car. Um, he ended up getting a penalty. I think it was like a five second penalty for exceeding track limits, but he had already like fucked off into the distance and therefore it didn't affect him. Um, what did we think of that, and what did we think of the race as a whole? Because it was pretty good in all three classes, to be honest. It was really good. Yeah, I think uh, it was good to see uh, a couple. Uh, well, I got two two Cadillacs. Uh, was it the? Oh, I always blew blow the the name of the other team. Um, what's the name of the? the other privateer, I guess, Cadillac Action team outside Express? Chip Ganass. Action Express. There we go. They uh, they had a great weekend, right? <laughs> Not? Is that, is that the, uh, the... That crash yeah. was gnarly. Ringer van der Zander. Gnarly. Just... Mm. Yeah. I think it... 
I mean, he just exploded the that uh, that that one's going straight to the bin. But uh, I think it, it really brought up um, some controversy and question around the the tires that these hypercars are using. Now, give them credit. Like Spa is known for crazy weather. You know, there there was a what was that two years ago or three years ago? Yeah, it, it, it rained and easy. snowed, and <laughs> yeah. So, like that is a very tough, and especially at this time of year. Uh, tough track as far as the weather goes. So obviously the uh, tire temps were a big issue, but um, yeah, I think um, it just goes to show that you know, they took away the tire warmers, right, for this season. Um, you know, you've got the pinnacle of sports car drivers in all of those cars, and to see them losing grip, you know, on the straights, uh, like the Ferrari did it too. Um, you know it. It's, uh, you know, it might be an issue, you know, uh, moving forward. But is it just because they were at Spa or is this something that we're going to see throughout the season? Um, I'm well, not sure. Asked, but yes, uh, Jim Glickenhouse, uh, it's going to be a problem that every time the cars <laughs> take the track, uh, somebody's going to get extremely hurt. It's detrimental to the sport. And if you wanted to be environmentally friendly while still having the tire warmers, you could just hook them up to solar panels and still get the same amount of heat built up in the tire. Right. I um, think I have to agree with old Jim here on this one. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Warm the tires up. I mean, uh, IMSA doesn't use them, but it's, different i guess i don't know i don't know do they they don't use it i think they're both they're they're michelin tires but i think they use so, is there different so compounds they if use all of, the, all of yeah. the cars except for the hyper cars use just your regular michelin pilot sport slicks that you and i can buy the right uh and, and in fact I, so i have i found this out a couple weeks ago all of the teams have to buy the tires there at the track, right? From GT4 all the way up, except for the hypercar. The hypercar is using a confidential tire compound, and they're just given the tires. It's part of the agreement of being in the the GTP category. Uh, but yeah, they're using a special confidential compound tire, and but it's a uh, it's the same tire that they use in the WC, right? I don't believe it. That I don't like, know. I think yeah. they're different control tires for WEC to IMSA, even in the hypercar. Um, could be wrong, but I'm, I'm fairly sure. I think different. GTE uses Goodyear in in the WEC. I think you're right. Um, whereas in in IMSA for GTD they use Michelin. Um, I'm not sure what LMP2 uses there, but LMP2 but no, I mean, is it? Yeah. So that's something, I mean, it was, again, you've got cold weather, you've got rain, you know, but you um, got guys did like a lot guess, of the teams were trying to push, not push, but I guess go to the limits of the capabilities of the slick tire. Right. Because at the beginning of the race, there were a couple of cars that stayed on the slicks while some were on the wets. Uh, right. because the track was supposedly going to dry out, and then those who started on the slicks weren't going to have to pit 
and they could just keep keep going along. It is weird, but I I, I think uh, I think they need to figure something out with the tire warmer, or else we're gonna see some, some crazy stuff come Le Mans. Yeah, I dislike tire warmers, and they shouldn't have them. <laughs> At the end of the day, the only people that really struggled were Ferrari. Uh, the other incidents weren't because of tires. Um, the Cadillac had been out where it wasn't its outlap when it fucked it into a Rouge. So, yeah, they, I think what they technically, I think they it, they sparked and bottomed out on the. It, it came down. They, they said the it's steering locked, and, and that's yeah. why he went in. So, the, the Cadillac incident wouldn't wasn't down to tires. Um, I know Brendan Hartley crashed in qualifying on an outlap, but again, just go easier, in my opinion. <laughs> like we all know that they're struggling on that point, and and, and yeah, I mean, right. you you watch Ferrari the the second Ferrari when it crashed, um, uh, just coming out of the pit lane uh, down toward Eau Rouge. Yeah, it looks like it didn't look like there was much he could have done, but it they were the only on. team that were struggling that bad with it. So clearly, it's something inherently wrong. And the Ferrari even said so. Their tire is not very good at warm. Their car isn't very good at warm up. So it's down to them to fix that. It's not down to all the other teams to have tire warmers. I I don't like tire warmers. Um, A lot of series don't run them anymore. IndyCar don't run them anymore, and they don't have any problems with it. Um, IMSA, the same. I I think it's just, as you said, as you alluded to, racing at Spa at this time of year, you're going to have that kind of issue. But we know you're going to have that kind of issue, so drive according to the conditions. It might be difficult, but just crawl a little more. Like, um, and it is difficult, but as you say, this is the pinnacle of sports car racing. So cope, I guess, Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate the safety standards of it. And maybe, maybe there could be a thing where if the temperature is below a certain thing, like I know in America there, I, I don't know if it's just ovals or, um, or just NASCAR or whatever, but if the track and air temp doesn't go above 100, when you combine them, they don't race in some circumstances. Maybe you could do a thing where if, if the, temperature falls below a certain medium you're allowed to do some kind of heating but then you're lugging around all the tire warmers to only use them in very set circumstances so it's it's tricky and i I can see why there's concern but maybe as hypercars go on and develop and maybe as the tires change over time maybe it will be less of an issue um yeah we'll we'll see um ultimately in the spa um six hours you had the number seven uh win ahead of the number eight car Whilst it looked like another Toyota 1 2, and it was, you know, the other cars, every race now, the Ferraris, the, the rest of the um, hypercar field, the Ferraris, the Porsches, the Cadillacs, they're getting closer. Yes. And, or, or, and the Toyotas are not invincible. Um, I don't think it's going to be long. I think at some point later this year, there is going to be a non Toyota winner. It'll probably be Le Mans because that's where it always happens. <laughs> right. But it, it's getting closer and it was, it was a good race, even though the results look a bit damning. Um, further back in LMP2 WRT got a home win, um, which was good. I think it's their first win in LMP2, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, wait. They won a couple of races last year. Never mind. But cool yeah. to see them win. They were in a good battle with the uh, Prima. Uh, I've completely forgotten the number of it now. Uh, the 63, they, they were in a good battle for the 63 for the whole race, but they got a penalty for, I think it was a pit lane violation or something like that, which ended up dropping them to 10th in class, which was a shame. But it was another good race in LMP2. 
And in GTE, we had um, part two of Corvette Defense Masterclass. Um, <laughs> the 83 AF Corsa won the race, but in the final few uh, laps, it was the, the highlight was Corvette defending from the uh, Aston Martin um, ORT by TF Sport Car. And Nicky Katzberg, once again, his defending, he was pitch per- like pinch perfect. It was great. And they had a 95 kilogram uh, ballast too, mm. after, you know, because they've won what the first two races, and so there's. So I'm hoping they don't ballast the shit out of it for Le Mans, but you know, it we'll happens. See. It will. So. <laughs> that shit ain't finishing <laughs> on the first ten laps. <laughs> but we'll see. But no, that it was great overall. Um, enjoying watching the 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 WEC more this season for sure. It, it's so it's been all three classes feel like they have just upped even more it's like watching mm-hmm. imsa in europe and right. maybe not quite i'd still i still i'm not IMSA. i'm not excited about how glickenhaus has been doing <laughs> you know no they they've been <laughs> nowhere it's because they're shit. i loved at the start <laughs> at the start of the race you had because it was the changeable conditions you had a group of hypercars that were on the wets you had a group of hypercars that were on the dries and then you had the glickenhaus and the fucking van wall <laughs> which it didn't matter what they were they were still behind yeah. all of them and you know, it's like taking a knife to a gunfight. You know, if you're not going to have a hybridized car and the rules are made to favor those who are, have hybridization, you're going to struggle. So I, I don't really understand. Yeah. I, that, I why mean, that's the big doing... downfall of the car, right? Because there's no, no hybrid system in it, just all engine. And it's not doing them very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on the opposite end of the scale, we didn't mention Jota because they made their debut in the hypercar class this time and finished sixth, which was the last of the hypercars that didn't have an issue. But still, they were on the pace with their uh, factory team. So Was it the, was it the Jota LMP2 yep. that did a wheelie up Radeon? Uh, yeah. Yes. That was <laughs> fantastic to watch. Uh, <laughs> the fact that he pulled it off and like... A, seemingly that didn't affect him very much uh made it all the better but yeah two front two wheels off the ground coming up radion um into the camel straight fucking amazing (laughs) hell yeah send it so um after spa uh the uh number eight uh the number eight toyota leads the championship by five points ahead of the number seven um in the hypercars uh, LMP2, it's United Autosports still leading by eight points ahead of WRT. And in GTE Am, oh, I've also forgotten to mention, uh, Cor- Corvette are leading the uh, standings for GTE, so that's great. Whoop, whoop. Um, but I forgot to mention that the 63 um, car that won oh, yeah. GTE, uh, Louis Perez Compang and Alessio Rivera, were partnered with Lilo Wadu. And Lilo Wadu being as a part of the winning crew means that that's the first time that a woman has won an FIA endurance race, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think we all kind of expected that the Iron Dames were going to do that first, but Lilo has um, beat them to it. But yeah, great to see that again, you know, w- between uh, Lilo, between the Iron Dame trio, between Dorian Alpine in the LMP2, all of them proving women are fucking quick when they're given the right equipment and the opportunity to do so. So big up, big up that. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, next race for WEC, Lamar in June. Um, 
fuck, that's a long gap. Can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, cannot wait for that. Um, yeah. It, for once, really excited for Lamont. So that is that. Might have to do the watch party for Lamont. All twenty-four. I mean, I'll, I'll be up. I'll be up. Uh, I'll at least do like eighteen. Or, or, <laughs> like, that's like my that's my thing. So plan. We'll do it. All right. Well, whilst we prepare for that, it's time for us to have our mid uh, mid show break. So join us after the break, where we'll talk about IndyCar woo, and uh, NASCAR at Dover, which was on Monday for some reason. So yeah, join <laughs> us after this. With half the show gone, there's still half the show still to go. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast. month of May approaches, and the summer of racing will be kicking off in the biggest way possible. A Memorial Day weekend, Into the Apex is back on the road, presented by ProCart Concepts for our third pilgrimage to the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Join us the Saturday before the 500 at Daredevil Brewery in Speedway, Indiana, for pictures of beer and indie talk. We're there to bring the hype and feel of IMS to the ITA family around the world. Into the Apex is excited to introduce a monthly subscription. For 99 cents a month, get regular, exclusive audio and video content on the Into the Apex podcast feed, presented by Spotify. Into the Apex After Dark? OnlyFans Into the Apex? Infowars Into the Apex? We're not too sure what it's called just yet, but we do know that it's edgy, it's provocative, it's everything we do here at the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. To subscribe, go to IntoTheApex.com and hit the subscription button down below. This This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. Um, before we get on with our second half, uh, make sure you head on over to our social medias to be kept up on uh, when our latest shows go out and also just interact with us about any other news that comes out during the week. Uh, like tell us what you thought of the sprint race, for example, or, or other stuff. So um, at Into the Paddock, that's the number two on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, go follow us there. Um, also make sure you head over to intotheapex.com to check out our affiliated podcast on the Into the Apex Podcast Network. Subscribe to the YouTube channel because you get to see video clips of, of, of this show and others. Um, why you'd want to see us like physically, I don't know, but some people... Hey, man, like I'm that. pretty vain. I'm um, a good guy. I'm not Check me out. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best of the three. Like uh, That's fair. No offense, John. Um, <laughs> All right, see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> Um, and if you like Greg enough, then you can also sign up for a 99 cents a month for premium access to his feet. Um, mm. I mean, to the, into the, the, into the, into the, into the Apex podcast. The bonus anyway. feed with a D. The bonus. With a, yeah. Oh, is D, it? Not, not oh, bonus I'm not feed. signing up then. I mean, we can make it bonus feed, but. I'm down. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll shave my toes. <laughs> you got Hobbit feet? <laughs> yeah, I got Hobbit feet. It's mad. I also have I'll a play around with some Roman candles. Yeah, see where they <laughs> fit. See where they don't fit. 
So if you want to do that, 99 cents a month, apparently John's a cheap date. Um, yeah, you can access <laughs> exclusive content through Spotify and Anchor. And yeah, you can check out all of that at intotheapex.com. Um, as long as you're um, over the age of 18, so you can access that kind of content, I guess. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got loads of images in my head right now. So let's talk about IndyCar before any of that leads to trauma. Um, IndyCar was at Barber Motorsports Park uh, this weekend, and quick poll uh would we say this was the best race of the weekend of the weekend yes i would yeah of the, i agree of the season no i mean quite. i'm partial to sports car i, I do I, I love endurance racing but out of the major series uh, well, i'm not gonna say the wex not a major series but out of all the other major series yes long-winded yes shut up john <laughs> hey <laughs> hey this is a podcast you're supposed to be long-winded um <laughs> I, it was Grosjean's best chance at getting a win this weekend, right? Like, he looked so strong, and I was so happy. I don't know why I like him so much, right? Uh, he's just he's such a cool dude. <laughs> he's a likable he, guy. He is a really good guy. And I've met him in person, so it makes it even more like, yeah. you know, makes him even more likable. So he, <laughs> he spent a good, like, 20, 30 minutes with us, just hanging out, having just cool dude conversation. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was it was a good race. It was a decent race. Barber is just an awesome fucking track to watch races at, right? I think any, any, so anything racing there, a barber is just going to be gold, you know? Just has a good flow. I was talking to Jordan about this before we started. Just it has a good flow to it it just the 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 the, the hills the the sharp thing you know, of the turns that has a mix of you know it does have a, a long straight um it's i was telling him it's kind of daunting to learn in eye racing but um you know watching them go at it this weekend just to you know i gotta quit being a bitch and get out and learn that track and <laughs> it's tough like that second half like when you come over the hill for the second uh, the second kind of fast chicane and you've got to just trust that the curb on the exit is still there when you crest the hill it, <laughs> right. it's total full commitment balls to the wall brilliance i, yeah. I love barber motorsports park and it's one of the tracks that it's harder to overtake at and yet some of the battles we saw this weekend in indycar were f- top fucking draw um and and yeah to, to go on to grosjean you know pole position his second pole out of four races what a lap fantastic yeah. lap um fantastic performance throughout qualifying like I, I don't think people realize with indycar qualifying how tricky it can be because the final session if you get to the fast six you've then got to do that on used tires you, like all the rest of the sessions you have brand new tires final session you got to do them on used and 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 they do feel so so different so you've then got to try and get everything out of your head as to how you should be driving a pole lap and then adjust that to be on used tires really so it, yeah. you know to, to conquer that format it's it's a feat especially in a grid that's so stacked in indycar you've got so many amazing people and and grosjean's been knocking out the park this year and and whilst he came up just short in the race, you know, he was he dominated that race. Yeah. And yeah. as I as I said after Long Beach, you know, St. Petersburg, he got pole, was gonna win, had 
a racing incident with Scott McLaughlin that was probably not his fault. You know, he was competitive there. Texas, he w- he drove his best oval race he's driven and spun out fighting hard for a top five at the end of the race. I can forgive him for that because it's intense racing. And if he's going for it and it doesn't come off, you know, whatever. So he was quick there. Long Beach, second to Kirkwood in qualifying, second to Kirkwood in the race, shadowed him the whole race, looked really strong there. Come to Barber, got pole, led the most laps, and, you know, ultimately a strategy that never usually works at Barber, the free stop strategy, ended up working, and he lost out because of that, and didn't have push to pass for the final few laps for some reason, whether it was a glitch or whether he used too much, we don't know. And he had to fuel save a little bit where others didn't, and still finished second. Yeah. Like he was on it the whole weekend. He's been on it the whole season and he is a championship contender. Absolutely. Even though he hasn't got the win yet, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's definitely going to come. And I feel like when it does come, it's not just going to be a win. It's going to be a win in a spectacular fashion, right? From the dominance he showed at Barber, just the way he handled the car. Uh, I was, we were texting in the group chat during the race and I was like, Oh, fucking Romain Grosjean going wide, relinquishing the position to Scott there towards the end of the race. I was pissed, but you did make a point. You know, he did. He didn't have push to pass left, so he might have been a sitting duck for the last. I don't know how many laps were left at that point. I think it was about yeah, ten, 10 to go. Like that, so. uh, when, when it was when he came on the radio and was like, "I don't have any yeah, push yeah. to pass." Yeah, um, he said it was showing him on his dash. He had some, mm, or he thought. Uh, yeah. So I mean. Uh, However, it went. I, I, you know, it, regardless of the mistake that he made going wide, you know, allowing Scott to make the pass, uh, he, I think he would have had something had he not made that. It would have been, been close, real, real sure. close, you know, because like you said, it's tough to pass at that track, even, even, you know, coming out mm-hmm. of the straight. It, it, when he does get a win, it's going to be fucking exciting and it's going to be a good show for sure. We're going to go. I, nuts. Am, I am. for sure. <laughs> We're all going to go nuts. <laughs> I'm for sure. I'm, I'm waiting to buy like a Roman Grosjean Jersey until he gets his first win. That way I can be like, all right, yeah, I bought that because yeah. he won, you know, but <laughs> I mean, I, I want him to win so bad. It, it, he, mm. he deserved better than what he got at Haas. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I often bring up, and I'm sure I brought it up on the show already, Grosjean has always been a fucking quick driver. I mean, you look at his Formula 2, uh, like his junior career, was he was fa- fantastic. His 2011 championship was great. If you get the chance, go and look at his overtake at the uh, Spanish Formula 2 round in 2011, where he overtakes like four cars in three corners. And Will Buxton on commentary just goes, oh, shut up. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's one of the best overtakes I've ever seen. And and then I always bring up, you know, 2013, the latter half of the Formula One season when he was with um, Lotus. Only one, the only driver to outscore Grosjean over the final, like, 10 races was Sebastian Vettel in a dominant Red Bull. The guy is a yeah. peddler. And this is the thing, like, a lot of people say, oh, IndyCar is just a retirement home for Formula One drivers. Nah, it's a place where drivers that should be in Formula One go when they can't get to Formula One because of its bullshit, or they've been forced out because of its bullshit, or they're tired of its bullshit. You know, IndyCar's grid is fucking excellent. And people like Roman being given the opportunity to show everybody what 
we all knew he had, but yeah. needed reminding of. I, I, I definitely cool. think that people who say that about IndyCar and Formula One don't really understand the nuances of the sport because Formula is no definitely more engineer versus engineer than driver versus driver, whereas in IndyCar everything is prescribed, right? Mm. Like it's so yeah. much closer. Like yeah, you have cars that are slower, like but that's just you know that there is an element of there are good teams and for there sure, are bad teams. You sure. know? We have got a big four, but it's so much more centric on driver versus yeah. driver. And, and you know, the fact that there's a series out there that you could, I saw this on Twitter. There's a series out there that has Scott McLaughlin and Roman Grosjean battling for a win in, in IndyCar at Barber. And it isn't the most popular series in the world. That's an yeah. injustice because <laughs> right. their battle was great. Like you, Grosjean's move, we kind of had St. Pete repeated. So um, Roman pitted a lap of, or a lap or two before McLaughlin. McLaughlin came out on cold tires, and you had Roman all over the back of him. And we're thinking, well, they're going to end That's up what I was thinking. And it wouldn't be the first time. And then Grosjean launches it down the inside of the final corner. What a move that was! The cojones on on that know, guy. I think you learned that fantastic from a move that had happened in the NXT series, right? Because I saw almost the exact same thing go down in in the IndyCar feeder series. The you know the, when does the NXT race happen? Does it happen that morning or the day before? It's a couple yeah. hours before, yeah. So I watched I watched that race and saw almost the exact same move. It wasn't for the win. It wasn't even for like a podium position mm. thing. But it, you know, just like a sweet little over under, like late turn into the right hander to get the cut in. You know, to set yourself up for the left. It, yeah. And I'm not going to say Romain learned that, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> it, yeah. It, Barber just makes for good fucking racing, especially in these these cars that are so closely matched. It's it's great. It's a it's it uh, to to further praise Barber like like we haven't done enough already. But it's such a good track. You know, it's it's a challenge to drive. It's a challenge to overtake. But that makes the overtakes more mm -hmm. special. It's not like you know we said that Baku is hard to overtake. It shouldn't be because most of them do it on the straight when they aren't in a DRS train. The overtakes there are hard to do, but when they do happen, they're boring because they're on a straight at Barber you have to work so hard to pull off a pass on someone that when it happens, it's fantastic. And, and yeah, Scott and Roman's battle at the end was great. Uh, earlier on in the race, we had Christian Lungard mug Scott Dixon at the same corner on the same move. And the, the tactics of Lungard, um, you know, he, he's another driver who couldn't, who was on the formula two feeder series, couldn't find a spot, should be in formula one, but isn't came over to IndyCar to, with Ray Hall. And the, the racing acumen on that guy is amazing. You know, he was following Dixon and, and there was another car ahead of him. I think it was Polo. And through the mid-sector, through the fast chicanes, he actively backed off, like dropped back from them so he could get a better run through the chicanes and then get Dixon at the final corner. Just brilliant tactics, like Alonso-level kind of driving technique. And it's, it's when you've got a series where everyone is on such a close level pegging, you know, you you allow the drivers to showcase their racing ability a lot more. And 
it's just a joy. You know, you spend the, you spend the morning watching Formula One that's the pinnacle of motorsport and they can't battle each <laughs> other because the cars are shit and they've got DRS and that bollocks. And then you watch an indie car race and you're like, this is why I love motorsport. Because when it works, it works. And yeah, wh- whilst this was probably not, like, it, this was probably the fourth best race out of four. It was so good because you had the great battles. You had the strategy differential. The strategy differential was great here. You know, the top 10, you had one, two, three, four. You had four of them on a free stop that never usually works, and yet McLaughlin won with it. Yeah, there was help with the safety car, but whatever. (laughs) And then you had the rest on two stocks. You had people going for primaries and alternates at different times. It's just really fucking good. (laughs) I can't thank you guys enough for, uh, you know, not only you guys, but, you know, Tyler... Uh, beaming for you know continuous continuously talking about IndyCar. Don't, I, don't know, give me any credit. Watch don't barely. give me any credit because I'm in the same I'm in the <laughs> same okay. boat as you. I didn't really pay attention to IndyCar until this season. Right? I didn't watch any of it at, at all last season and you guys kept talking not you Greg. <laughs> not you. Jordan <laughs> Jordan and Tyler kept talking, you know, everyone was talking you know, um, everyone on the um, the ITA podcast um, you know, continuously talked about how you know now it's their it's their favorite series and and um you know watching it now it's just it's, it's beautiful like I, I like it more and more every week I mean I've already bought a jersey just because I'm a jersey snob but uh <laughs> you know it's, it's it is like you were saying it, it is such fun racing to watch and um you know it's got a little bit of everything in it um and yeah I'll uh. I'll go jerk off to it later. So, but, uh, but no, it's great. I mean, it's, I could easily do a same length show as this on Indy. It's a, yes. it's a fucking yeah. drivers. It's a driver series, right? It, it's, it's so yes, pure. It's exactly what I was about to say. It's a pure fucking racing series, and I mean, it, mm-hmm. the racing is even more close than IMSA or WEC or I mean, really anything, right? Like uh, apart from. Uh, I'm going to be a Formula E stand again. Apart from Formula E, it's probably the closest racing that I mean exists today. You know, I mean, I haven't watched a whole lot of BTC, but I hear that's pretty close, right? In IndyCar and Formula E are better, I would say, even though Touring Car is designed, British Touring Car is designed to be a crap yeah. Basically, it's designed that way. And yet still, IndyCar and Formula E do it differently. And, you know, not to compare sports again, you know, Formula E is close because of the, the management they have to do, but it's still good, you know. And IndyCar is is close to that level of, of, of um, competitiveness and just sheer brawl nature. And yet it's not, that's not because of that. It's just because they're really close. And, you know, the cars are hard to drive. It makes like all of that induces really good yep. racing. The cars are designed so they can follow each other. They're hard to drive. You make mistakes. People can't. It's a fucking fist fight for sure. You can follow each other really close. It is. It is. It's like a two-hour fist fight, and it's brilliant. And not like NASCAR's two-hour fist fight where they actually end with one. <laughs> it's great. I, I adore it. And it's not to say that IndyCar don't do things wrong. Even in this race, there was one of the criticisms I have about IndyCar came up, and this was regarding the caution. Um, Ultimately, I think Grosjean lost this race because of the ill-timed nature of the caution and what IndyCar do with their cautions. So they've started doing this in the last few years, and they did it in IMSA as well. I don't like it, whereby 
if there is a car, if there is a caution worthy incident that isn't like a track block, if a car stops off of the racing line or something like that, they will allow the rest of the pit cycle to play out and then have the caution so as to not screw anybody over. But all that does is then screw over the people who are on a different strategy. Like in my mind, right. if something is worth having a caution, it's a safety concern. Put yep. the caution out. Right. There come a time where IndyCar leave the green flag out to try and get a pit stop phase done, and something happens to make the incident worse because they didn't yellow flag it as quickly as they could have done. I don't like that. If if, if you're going to have a caution, throw it. Don't wait for people. Like sometimes in racing a caution or something will happen at an opportune time and it will screw your race. Mm-hmm. That's racing. You know, ultimately that's what happened to Roman Grosjean. You know, it, he, he was on the two stop strategy. The three stop guys were in the middle of their pit sequence. And because they were allowed to finish their pit cycle, that essentially meant that Roman Grosjean was at a disadvantage for the rest of the race from Scott McLaughlin. So, he, someone still got screwed. It just wasn't the people that were pitting. So right. that's my gripe with IndyCar on that regard. So it's not. It's not to say like I, I'll praise IndyCar until the cows come home. There is stuff they can do better. Like some some calls they make, like that one. Some kind of as with anything. I mean, if look, we're we're here to critique <laughs> these motorsports, right? Oh, and sure. so we're 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 trying to find something wrong with them, and we're always going to find something wrong. Uh, but yeah, no one's perfect. But as far as like, yeah, just actual competitiveness and wondering who's going to come out on top. I mean, it it, it seems like Roman Grosjean is going to be one of your top contenders this year. He's been right there at the front every week. And uh, I can also say that Stingray Rob is probably going to be at the back <laughs> every week. If he didn't have bad luck, he would have no right. luck at all. And, like, <laughs> and, and but I mean, he's he's a rookie. That's par for the course, right? Like, hang out in your first season. These the the dudes he's racing against. I mean, you know, supercar champions and and just all these all this experience that he's racing against. All the rookies uh, are just just miles and miles of, ahead of what he could gain at his age. You know, and mm-hmm. so to in fact, I think it says more about him that he's able to get into IndyCar at such a young age, whereas these other guys spent not that IndyCar was their destination series. You know, they they went and did other things and they came to IndyCar, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, mm-hmm. all, all that to say, I guess it's it's close. And it's going to remain close unless there's some huge major rule change to like the fundamental way IndyCar works. I think it's going to remain the closest racing series in the United States. Yeah, because it's just designed to be that way, you know. Like every other series, you know, there's things that can happen that either make it favor one person like formula one where like you know where one team is able to get such an advantage because of the openness of the regulations and, you know that's formula one's thing it's all about being open so you can kind of forgive it for that but indycar has always yeah. been more about the racing than anything else and it's designed to keep things close you look back to the 90s in champ car where they had the rules whereby if you brought in a technical advancement if no you had to offer that for sale in after a couple of seasons and if no one bought it you weren't allowed to run it anymore <laughs> you know that kind of level <laughs> of trying to keep 
parity has been intrinsic in IndyCar's DNA for years and years. And I mean, years. I, I, and it works. I think the the biggest disparity that I've seen between you know one car to the next has been the the Indy test, right? Where you're seeing people mm-hmm. run different styles of like wind vanes and louvers and uh, you know things under the car, like. Other than that, and those are small, small changes, and they're mainly for driver comfort, right? To give the driver yep. confidence uh, at that particular track is associated with their skill level. It's not, it's not necessarily to give one car a big advantage over another car, like you see in in Formula One, where it's literally a fucking arms race. It, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the season. I'm really enjoying getting to watch. Uh, a good fucking fight and not just a good fight over the, the you know one race it seems like the entire season is going to be pretty fucking close yeah as you say yeah so um as as a result of um winning the race also we i feel like we spoke a lot about roman grosjean but didn't talk a lot about scott McCormick. won the race you know the execution yeah. he had of his three rest stop strategy was great like yeah. yeah you could argue he was helped a lot by the timing of the caution but he still had to go out there and fight roma for that win. And, you know, he was great. And, you know, I I keep talking about the fact that he's come from Australian supercars over to, to IndyCar and has not only had to adjust to single seaters, but has had to adjust to ovals and has had to adjust to an entirely different culture of racing. You know, IndyCar is a very different and, and racing in America is very different from racing in Australia in a lot of ways. And he's not only managed to do all that, but he is now, more often than not, the fastest Penske. You know, Newgarden's up there. He's having a bit of a bad luck season. But McLaughlin, he's just getting better and better for every season he's in. And as you say, the championship's close. Like, McLaughlin, as a result of that, he went from, like, ninth in the points to fourth. He's now um, 11 points off of the championship lead. Uh, you got Marcus Ericsson, who's still leading the championship on 130 points. He's three points out of Pato Award. Um, and then there's like nine points back to Polo and then 11 points back to McLaughlin and then another few points back to Grosjean. It's so close. And and so often you see as, you know, as the, as the season goes on, it just slowly whittles down as the final few races go when people like might have a bad race, like one bad race could put them out of it, but then one good race can vault them right back up again. You know, it's, it is so close and you've joined for a really good season because the, I, I don't, I can't recall, even when IndyCar is consistently good, I can't remember a better first four races of the season than we've had this year. Like, And they've all been good for mm-hmm. different reasons as well. So it's just so Fun. good. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the results, I suppose we should probably talk about them. Uh, yeah, McLaughlin uh, wins over Roma. Um, really good battle between the pair of them. Will Power in third. He started 11th. He was in the final race of his engine before it gets swapped out for the month of May and yet was really, really quick. Like the, the gap between third power and fourth award was 17 seconds. You know, the top three had a march. Um, so yeah, really, really good performance from power and it was kind of the kickstart of his season. He's not had a particularly good first few races, but kickstarts speaking, there. And we need to yeah, call out Will yeah, Power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, speaking of Will Power, Will, if you're listening, Hell yeah. we've noticed that you've been liking some of our stuff. 
Hit us up. Let's have a conversation. We'd love to talk with you, man. A defending champion. Throwing it Absolutely. This season with these two powerhouse drivers. I want to know what's in your head, dude. I want to know what's in your head. Uh, we won't make it. I weird. mean, we might make it a little weird. <laughs> we might make it a little weird, but that's okay, too. That's okay, too. Be weird with us, bud. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love. I'd love to get uh, any anyone from IndyCar on the show. Like, but yeah, well, we, we see, see you. you. Yeah. We see you. Come on the show. Do it. You won't. No balls. Um, Always do it. I, no, I double dog dare you. And 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 let's remember, dude broke his back or fractured his back in the off season doing a cart race. Like he, he a cart landed on top of him and he like broke his back. And he's already like driving like a badass again, like because he's got willpower. He's got that's right. Got the dog in him, or as I don't know, what's the Australian equivalent? He's got the koala in him. The the (laughs) dingo. The he's got dingo in him. (laughs) For God's sake, Uh, Pato Award finished fourth, um, successfully managing to avoid any on-track collisions with Scott Dixon, who looks like he's out for blood. Um, I did find it quite amusing that um, um, Pato's engineer, when Dixon was the next car behind him, was like, don't look at Dixon. I'll tell you if he tries anything. Because <laughs> Dixon's still still really Man, not happy. I was, I was kind of hoping for a bit of a pit lane altercation or right. something. I mean, it, it, there were a few moments during the race between those two where it looked like it might get a little fucking dicey. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, what I liked was um, apparently Pato went to oh, yeah. go see Dixon prior to the race uh, to to kind of not to apologize but to just have a talk you know have a, a conversation uh, driver to driver about it and just see if they can get some common understanding and um, apparently at the end of the conversation Pato tried to go in to hug Dixon he's like nah no nope. there no nope. <laughs> um, we're not cool like that dog. No. <laughs> so that was interesting um, oh and the other pre-race thing that we forgot to mention Scott McLaughlin something with IndyCar drivers and being able to flip off people in such um, uh, in innovative ways in practice Scott McLaughlin was held up by two drivers I don't remember which two drivers and and the onboard of him like he passes one of them and flips him off and then passes the other one and flips him off yeah, as he, well he even <laughs> swaps hands to do it right like in the middle of a turn <laughs> left so hand good. right hand go fuck yourself Get the fuck! I'm out of here. And then his his interview afterwards was pretty funny too. They were like, "Were you mad at anybody?" He was like, oh, you guys "Not really. Like- I mean, we're cool. I mean, it was just a little hot under the collar, I guess." But uh, he was like, "I need to stop doing that." No, keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing it. Let's yeah, let's keep it. Let's have more of that, please. And then and 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 the final thing on McGotham before we actually talk about the rest of the grid. Did you guys see the video of him in victory lane? He he was taking some photos with like two two young kids and like he one of them yes. one of them's wearing a Grosjean jersey, one of them's wearing a McLaughlin jersey. <laughs> and like he, he fist bumps the McLaughlin kid and then he goes to fist bump the Grosjean kid who just walks away <laughs> and he fist bumped himself. <laughs> yep, it was beautiful. I missed that. <laughs> the, the family got in beautiful. touch with him on Twitter afterwards and and the, the, I think it was the mum who tweeted him and was like, oh yeah, he's grounded. And McLaughlin's like, don't ground him. It's happened before. <laughs> it won't happen. It's going to happen again. Like, oh, fantastic. I love Scott McLaughlin. He's such a great personality. Like, just 
What a guy. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the rest of the grid. Yeah, Pato finished fourth. Alex Pelot finished fifth. Uh, Christian Lungard uh, sixth with that great pass on Scott Dixon that we mentioned earlier. That it, it was a really good weekend for Lungard. Ray Hall had been a bit down in the dumps the last few years, really. They, they have the odd race every year where they come out and show good speed. And this was that weekend for Lungard. Um, I think I think Ray Hall did a really good job on locking him down to a, a multi-year contract. I, I almost feel bad that Lungard isn't having the opportunity to perhaps go to a faster team because he he could and should be up there a lot more often than he is. Um, Dixon seventh. Um, it was an okay week. He, st- he still hasn't won at Barber. He's had like 78 second and third places, but not quite able to get it. Uh, Rossi 8th, uh, Rosenquist ninth. Rosenquist with the drive of the race, I think, because he spun on lap 1, um, uh, like turn 2, and made light contact with Joseph Newgarden, spun right to the back, there was no caution for it, and then came back up through the field to finish ninth. Wow. What a drive. That, that was great recovery. Um, the two Marcuses, 10th and 11th, Marcus Armstrong was credited as the driver who, who made the most moves and subsequently got a trophy for it. Not that he knew that that was a thing until he was given it. But <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd have given it to Rosenquist instead. I know it's based off of starting position, <clears throat> but you know, Ros- Rosenquist probably overtook more people. But Armstrong did go from 26th to 11th. So it was, it was still a really good He's drive. He had a pretty well. good season in his rookie year, right? Proven to be. If, if he qualifies a bit better, he will be. Right in the mix up there with the rest of his teammates. It's looking looking good for, for sure. sure. And yeah, as you say in the rookie standings, you know, he's not even doing the ovals and he is way ahead of his other rookies. You know, he, he's peddling. <laughs> it's something about New Zealand as an IndyCar man. Like that they just do it. Like McLaughlin, Dixon, and now fucking Armstrong. There's <laughs> something in the water over there in Hobbitland. Um. Yeah. Anyone else we need to point out? Joseph Newgarden. Yeah, he had a weird race. Yeah, this is usually a track yeah. where he does really well, and obviously you had Power and McLaughlin up there in first and third. It, it's weird what happens. So his car throughout the race, he said there seemed to be like a, a a pressure offset between the right and the and the left rear tires, and people were surmising as to whether the contact with Rosenquist at turn two did it, but it seemed as though the contact was more with the very rear section of his side pod more than the tire or any part of suspension. So a weird one. He said that every time he pitted for new tires, it kind of masked the problem. But as soon as the run went on, it just chewed up the right rear and he was able to go, wasn't able to go anywhere. So his, it's feast or famine for new garden at the moment. He either wins like he did at Texas or he's just got terrible luck. So, yeah, hopefully it gets uh, better for him. We'll see. Maybe he can win Zindy. Yeah, and that's something he hasn't been able to do yet. Like, that's, yeah. And he's won two championships? Three? Two? One of the two. And, but he, he's, he, for whatever reason, he just never quite shows up at Indy. But McLaughlin's really excited about Indy, uh, Penske's Indy program this year. So if he is, Newgarden should be. And yeah. Powers obviously won it before as well. So I can't wait for Indy. Indies could be so good but yeah uh, is there anything else we really need to talk about with IndyCar not really we've done our Stingray report 27th again but that was a mechanical (laughs) failure so it wasn't really his fault but yeah poor kid yeah he'll 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 have a chance I'm sure we we like Stingray Um, but now we are in the month of May 
so uh, it's a couple of weeks until the Grand Prix, uh, uh, the Grand Prix race on the Grand Prix track at Indianapolis. Then it's Indy 500 qualifying, and then the big one, the 500 at the end of May. So yeah, I I love we're, this. We're month. actually going to have <laughs> uh, a member of the ITA network boots on the ground reporting mm. uh, at the race. Uh, Tyler will be out there, and I think a few others. Uh, but uh, we need to have Tyler on the show and and maybe give For sure us a, definitely in the yeah, run up to maybe Wendy. give us a little report mm-hmm. of what's going on um he's super excited <laughs> you think yeah you think you're excited jordan tyler's tyler's over the moon excited this is his favorite time of the year yeah he cannot wait yeah I, it says a lot where my I've got no desire to go to a Formula One Grand Prix. The next big trip I have to a motorsport event is probably going to be the Indy 500, even next year or the year after. I, it's such a good race. And I am infinitely jealous of Tyler for being there this year. I would love to be there as well. Maybe so, I can work something out and I'll get over there. Not not this year. Yeah, not definitely. this year. I got I got yeah. plenty of other things going on. I got I got a lot of traveling to do this month. <laughs> uh I'm, I'm yeah. doing doing multiple trips to multiple places, uh, so yeah, it, it's it's gonna be crazy. May it's gonna be a crazy summer, <laughs> mm. and we'll have it all here. Um, final ten minutes ish of the show, we will talk about the final racing action. Well, of that we talk about NASCAR, and it just finished a couple of hours ago for us because it was delayed to Monday because of rain. Um, I think the big story heading into the event was once again Hendrick having to have a substitute driver because Alex Bowman had a really nasty wreck at Tuesday in a sprint car race um, in Iowa. Uh, I think it was at 34 Raceway and got a compression fracture uh, in his in, in one of his vertebrae. As a result, he flipped Jeez. several times. So as a result, Josh Berry's back. Um, <laughs> he was substituted for Chase in the nine, and now he's in the forty-eight for uh, for um, Bowman for at least the next three. Man, to four this kid weeks. might get some playoff points um, as a substitute driver. <laughs> honestly, at this point, if he got a win, there is uh, there is grounds for him getting a waiver to get into the playoffs for sure. Like, and he's getting better and better. Like he, his race at Dover today was really really good. Um, yeah, I think it was another top ten for the guy. So, yeah, and. There is a rumor that he is more than likely going to be on the grid next year, perhaps taking over from a retiring fan favorite driver. You got some mm. inside um, info? Or is, this, is this widely known? It's kind of publicly available inside okay. info. Um, it seems as though he is, he is at the moment the favorite to take over from Kevin Harvick in the four. Oh, yeah, Kevin um, Harvick is retiring. It's weird. I still it, it still doesn't seem right. like that's happening, does it? <laughs> but yeah, I would love that for for Barry because um, he over those races that he sub- substituted for Elliot, he just got better and better. And then today, yeah, finishing in the top ten again, he's got it. And his whole story is great. You know, ha- having the opportunity to come up to the big leagues so uh, at a comparatively late age, he's in his thirties, and was given an opportunity by um, uh, Dale uh, Junior to go into the junior motorsports Xfinity car after being a really good short track racer. Just the whole story is just really cool. In, so yeah, to, for him to have a chance potentially in the Stuart Haskell uh, number four. I was brilliant. watching an interview with Chase Elliott today 
and it, mm. he seems to be a liked guy in in the garage. You know, everybody seems to like him. He mm. seems to be learning a lot uh, and and getting all the stuff done. Also, somebody asked Chase Elliott about, you know, what do you think about you drivers being allowed to go do some of the more dangerous extracurricular activities uh, that you guys do? And he said he doesn't seem like it doesn't he doesn't see it changing any time in the near future, you know, them being allowed mm. to do it. And I, I'm a I'm I have to agree with Chase. You can't look, these guys do two hundred miles an hour for a living. They have to do something that excites them, right? Whether it's just more racing or whether it's uh you know, snowboarding, skydiving, I mean shit over the winter break. Or the we saw Charles Leclerc fucking ice climbing like in the Andes or some shit, you know. Like, let these guys live lives, let them have fun, mm. and they have, and their their idea of fun is going to be a little bit more extreme than what we're used to, because we're not. Of course, a we don't make the money that they make, and b um, we're not adrenaline junkies to the level that they are. You know, they're going to be doing some wild and crazy shit. And sometimes every once in a while, one of them is going to get hurt. It's just part of the life, man. I mean, and, and, and I'm sure somebody's tried to be held down by contracts, but do you think it's really going to stop these guys from going and doing shit? Hmm. I don't think so. And when it comes to extracurricular racing activity, Kyle Larson said with regards to the amount of other racing he does, wh whenever he's behind the wheel of a race car, he's learning. Yeah. So ultimately, it's making him a better racing driver, being able to get as much seat time as possible, even if it is in something wildly different from his cup car. You know, and and, and same for Alex Bowman, I imagine. You know, it, it's just an opportunity to hone your skills more and more, and to to be race ready, race fit as much as possible. And it, it you know, it's motorsport; it's dangerous. You know, he could easily be injured in a NASCAR wreck. So, and especially with NASCAR, you know, if it were another series where consistency matters, then I could maybe understand the the, the uh, reluctance to let your drivers go and do other things. But in NASCAR, you know, you d you can win one race, miss several others because you break something, get a waiver, and then still win the championship. You know. In NASCAR, why not let them do other things? Because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Consistency isn't a thing. Yeah. So if there's any sport that works for it, it's NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, racing's dangerous. Um, it was everything but, else. <laughs> who didn't know? If you want to, I mean, if you want to, if yeah. you want to talk about everything else, everything else is dangerous. Driving in the fucking highway is more dangerous than motor racing. Fuck. Leave yeah. these guys alone. Let them do whatever they want. It's not... I mean, apart from like going out on the street and getting, you know, bags of heroin and shooting it up before they get in the car, let them do whatever the fuck they want, man. Yeah, or or you know, taking your gun to Mexico and then getting caught. Yeah, with there's it. probably got to be a either. rule against that. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Bush, maybe don't do that. Remember that happened a months ago. God, I've completely forgotten about oh, that. Oh yeah. Um, but on to the actual racing at Dover. Um, it was a good weekend if your surname was Truex. Yes. Um, Saturday's Xfinity race was won by Ryan Truex, which actually was his first win in 13 years of racing in Xfinity. Jesus Christ. 
I know Martin snapped a winless streak at the end of <laughs> on on Sun on Monday's race, but that's a fucking winless streak for Truex for Ryan Truex. That's mental. I think he said some shit um, during, yeah, his, really, during really his post-race cool. interview. He's like, "Look, I'm not dead yet," <laughs> or so, something like that. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, good good job for him, man. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome, and it's it's they say it's his hometown race. Like they're from New Jersey, so it's the closest thing they have. So it's it's just a cool thing for them. And and the Dover Dover has been a really good track for the family as well. So race was uh, the Cup race was postponed from Sunday to Monday because of rain. Uh, qualifying was also rained out, so Kyle Busch started on pole. And as soon as the race was rained out, it was like Truex is going to win this because he's prior to this weekend he had three Dover wins and two of them had been on Mondays after a rain delay. And sure enough, this one was rain delayed to Monday and he won it again. So he's now got three Monday wins at Dover out of four. Not only it's just not only does he have three Monday Cup car wins, but they're all at Dover. <laughs> Yeah, it's just odd. Like it's just so weird. <laughs> but yeah, so cool. Like so for him to win, it, it's also they said in the broadcast, it's the first time that brothers have swept the weekend, like the the first and second division wins since Rusty Wallace and Mike Wallace did it in 1994. Guess where? Tra- guess was where? It it Dover? Jesus Dover. Christ. <laughs> It's it's some Illuminati shit going on right now. I'm starting to think that, that I'm starting to believe conspiracy. There's, there's got to be like dead children inside the Miles statue or something. Fucking hell! Right, like sacrificed <laughs> to the monster Mile to keep these guys winning. I mean, that's what the Illuminati did. He's a monster, but not why you think he is. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my god! Well, that's I didn't expect the, the monster Miles the monster to get cancelled in twenty twenty. I mean, it might be no, me it's... getting cancelled for saying that, but who give a shit? Potentially, you know. Oh well, <laughs> provocative motorsport talk or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, Truex's win fifty four race winless streak. Um, that's now snapped, so that, that's good for him. And you know, there's been a lot of um, tension in the number nineteen camp at Joe Gibbs Racing this year, so it's good for them to get a win. And he's he's been a runner up on so many different tracks. I mean, with thirty six thirty six so, races in a season, going fifty four races without a win just doesn't seem like that. Like, yeah, it's not, not that, that bad. bad is it? <laughs> you won a race last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, he had to fight off. Um, uh, Ross Chastain toward the end of the race. Chastain was coming at him before the final caution. Um, caution came out and they split the strategy between them. Um, Truex took two, Chastain took four, started a couple positions back and couldn't quite get to him in time. So yeah, that was a good race. But Chastain was um, already a big part of the race after something he did early on because um, he wrecked Brennan Paul in the 15 car. Um, and then Paul, because he was lost, he, because he'd just been run over by Chastain, he went up the racetrack and ruined Kyle Larson's race. Larson then got revenge toward the closing stages by holding up Chastain whilst they were in traffic. So that was quite funny. But <sighs> Ross Chastain, man, he needs to stop driving through people. All through last year, he kept doing it, and and again today, like he he said, "Oh, I really didn't mean to do that. I'm really sorry." There's only so many times that you can just run through somebody and apologize before you need to just take a long, hard look at the way you're fucking doing things and just rethink it. He just keeps doing it. And it's not 
it's not acceptable at the cup level. You know, you can't just run through people and apologize and expect everything to be hunky dory. I I hope Paul comes out next race and dumps his ass because of it, or someone think, needs to, because he's just not I learning. Think Ross posted something on Instagram, like, uh, was it wrong? I know he said post race that he was going to um. Uh, he, he had um, some kind of training with Skip Barber or something that he had to do this weekend, and then he was going to go over to Rick Ware and, and give a massive apology or something. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just like there's only so many times you can apologize before you just need to just learn to be better. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a picture of his car, and it just said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but if it was a one time thing, I could accept it. But like, he's done it so many fucking times now, and he just. He, it, it's it's mad that's a habit yeah it's it's a habit and he needs to stop oh well, someone's gonna stop him like as brennan paul eloquently said someone needs to whoop his ass <laughs> <laughs> it's the watermelon smash baby <laughs> but yeah so that that kind of does it for dover it, it, it was a better race to be honest it was probably the one of the best short tr- shorter track races or 1.5 mile races we've had this season just because it was allowed to play out properly there weren't many cautions e- even the final green white checkered ish kind of thing it wasn't really a green white checkered it was a, a caution within the last 10 laps even that didn't turn into a shit show it was just a decent race so you know it's been a good weekend of racing well apart from formula one when even the nascar race isn't that bad <laughs> so <laughs> overall i think it's been a good week <laughs> apart from formula so well, what are, what are, or if you're a photographer and that's a we have to look forward to next oh i'm looking at the schedule for next week next week we have formula e at monaco which i've been hyping up to shit since we started this podcast so watch it be shit now um it won't be um <laughs> we also have <laughs> formula one in miami which is going to be a massive cringe fest oh i've completely forgotten so they said on the grid for the Formula One race, there was they'd extended the amount of time that the grid was formed for, like with, with all the people around, and they weren't sure why. And apparently, it's because they're going to do something on the grid in Miami, some kind of spectacular festivity. Oh my God. It's going to be so fucking how, cringe. How, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> is it going to be a celebrity, or is it going to be like cheerleaders? Is it going to be? Oh, if it's cheerleaders. What's it? You, you remember a few years ago at the USGP when they had that amazing driver introduction ceremony where like every, that was every great. single driver came out <laughs> one by one, surrounded by the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Like, that was great. But yeah, we got uh, Formula One in Miami. We got NASCAR, uh, Trucks and Cup, and all that horse shit at Kansas. The home of horseshit. Um, <laughs> let's see. S- Superbikes at Barcelona. We might cover that a little bit. That's always good. Uh, Formula E at Monaco. That's that. That might be the main. That might be the main point of the show. That is the main point. Fuck it, ITA. Like uh, that is uh, yeah. Join us next week <laughs> for Formula E at Monaco, and then maybe the Formula One and, and, and other stuff. Because yeah, Formula E is. Yeah, I'm calling it now. It's going to be the race of the week. Like I've been hyping this to shit if, all if, fucking and, year, and, and, and I still haven't gone back and watched any of the older races. If this race isn't as good, you need to this week. Okay. You need to do that. 
I'll link you to the the whole thing. I, I I will even go out of my way to make it as easy as possible. I think the four H three plays are on YouTube, right? Yeah, they are. They so, are. I'm gonna find them for you. Just so you've you made it this far into the show. You have homework this week, and that is to hype yourself up for the Formula E Monaco E pre, right? As hosted, can we just call it a race? Formula EJ. <laughs> No, stop. I didn't know. <laughs> you thought, you thought we were going to make it to the whole show. He haunts my dreams. <sighs> the Formula EJ. So yeah, join us next week for that. In the meantime, make sure you're following us on all the social medias as we spoke about at Into the Paddock on Twitter and Instagram. That's the number two. Um, also head over to IntoTheApex.com for all our affiliate networks and podcasts and exclusive stuff. Do all that. Uh, follow each of us on social media as well. I'm at jgroves1996. I don't think I actually said my name at the start of the show. I'm Jordan Groves, by the way. Um, <laughs> hey, Jordan. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jordan, and I'm um, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, you can also follow Mr. Greg Meisner on... Uh, just look for me everywhere at Speed Rat Racing. Perfect. And Mr. John Javicki on it's at Dick Beaters, right? At Dick Beaters <laughs> Unite. Unite on Twitter. I'm gonna have to check whether that's taken. <laughs> yeah, Javik J E and John Javicki on Instagram. That's about it. There you go. Dick Beaters Unite is not taken, so you can have that one. Um and it's yeah, Googling it doesn't do anything either, so that's good. Um so yeah, join us next week for <laughs> formula e and loads of other stuff um in the meantime take care enjoy all the racing this coming weekend and we will see you next time thank you for listening to into the paddock by the ita podcast network join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk